I really believe that the only way that we're going to get some big things done, and Richie and I have talked about this in the past, is Democrats and Republicans working together. You know, some of our colleagues, both on his side and my side of the aisle, think that you can catch some sort of disease if you work with the other side, and so they refuse to talk uh, to the other side. Un and that's unfortunate. The fortunate thing is, the fortunate thing is that there are some of us, even on our committee, uh, even beyond our, our committee, both subcommittee and full committee, that understand that and understand that this is bigger than us. This is bigger than the party, the parties. This is bigger than just this moment in time. And from, you need a little louder back there, Tony, thank you. And so when you look, you know, when you look at history, and I tell, and I tell people on my side of the aisle, particularly back home uh, with my primary opponent, our founding fathers set up something special. You know, they like to talk about the founding fathers. They kind of ignore the part where you have to work together. And they kind of ignore the part that this is not a kingdom, that you just can't do what you want to do. You've got to work together to get things done. And if you look at history, that's what's happened. And one of my president, president heroes was Ronald Reagan. And I'm sure one of your heroes was Tip O'Neill. And so you look at what they did, and they did some really amazing things that helped those of us who are here today. And so that is a great model for us to look toward to try to get tax reform done. I think both of us believe that it's gonna, if it's going to be done the right way, and clearly it, it looks pretty difficult that it's going to be done this year, in all honesty. But the madness of tax reform, the madness of our current tax system, I should say, the madness of our current tax system has to end. We have to reform this system. I, I hear it so often from my personal tax lawyer slash accountant. I don't even want to go back to her next month in March because I know I'm going to get a lecture from her about how horrible it continues to get. It, whenever you think it, can get, it can't get worse, she says it gets worse. And that's part of the temporary nature of, of our code. And so I'm optimistic not because of leadership from the top, to be honest with you. I'm optimistic that there are people like Richie Neal who you can work with to try to get something big done. And, and there are more than just one Richie Neals in the, in the world. He treated me great when he was chairman of the committee. He didn't need to do that. Uh, most of the people around here thought that the Democrats were going to be in charge of, of Congress for a lifetime again. And he didn't act that way. He treated me like a human being, and I appreciated that. And so that tells you something about the man. I grew up in a Democrat family, so working with Democrats comes uh, pretty easy to me. <laughs> and and I, uh, I really appreciate the fact that of all the people on the Ways and Means Committee, that Richie Neal is the ranking member of, of our Select Revenue Subcommittee. The only thing better for America is if he were the ranking member of the full committee. Uh, now that might make some people mad, but I can, you know, it's a free country, Richie, and you don't have to comment on that. <laughs> but but uh, the Democrat uh, conference's loss is our gain on the subcommittee, and, and, 
and I look forward to using that as an opportunity, actually, uh, an opportunity to try to get some, something big done next year. We're going to need your help. Let's not, let's not let the perfect be the enemy of the good, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because some of the people on my side and his side of the aisle use that as an excuse not to get something done. And I hope that you all in the private sector don't have that same tunnel vision in terms of trying to get major tax reform done sometime next year. So thanks for being here. Look forward to answering any questions. Thanks, Pat. You could tell immediately if likability were the standard for accomplishment here that we would have been able to get a lot of terrific things done. Let me return the compliment. Uh, Pat's been a terrific friend, and I mean that in the best sense of the term. We've had some great off-the-record conversations for a long period of time on things that we might be able to accomplish. And I, I was of the opinion, incidentally, uh, being knowledgeable of this establishment, that if we all retire to the other side of the divider, <laughs> we would be more apt to get things done. Uh, I would, when Pat mentioned Tip, many of you knew Tip and you worked with him, and uh, certainly wanted not only an icon, but a marvelous human being. And uh, Sonny Callahan, many of you know, used to tell the story of, because uh, he, he, he really liked Tip, really admired him, and you know, the, the idea that Tip O'Neill would go to some district against somebody just wasn't going to happen. And, but he used to tell the story about Tips would regularly summons him to the dais in the house, and he would say, how did you talk about me this weekend when you were back in Alabama? And Callahan would routinely wipe his mouth and say, you know what's wrong with Congress, it's that Tip O'Neill. <laughs> and Tip would delight in the story. And uh, I, I tell one more funny story of, about Tip because uh, of the marvelous character that he was and the way that the institution once functioned. And, and Bill Frenzel is here and, and Don Sundquist, and they were friends of mine when, when they were both here. But this is a true story. Tip is sitting in his office, and you could smoke in those days, and, and Tip, you know, regularly had a cigar. And I think it's fair to say Tip wasn't home working on Tolstoy's War and Peace at night. I mean, I... You know, I mean, I, let, let's be pretty candid about it. And so Tips got Raytheon in the office, and Raytheon is explaining this new missile. And Tips' eyes are kind of glazing over, and he's puffing on the cigar, and he's looking out the window. And finally, the head of Raytheon says, and Mr. Speaker, this missile is going to employ 2,000 people in your district. And without missing a beat, Tips said, that's a hell of a missile. <laughs> now, a couple of suggestions that I would have. I think that the use of excitable language that has been advised by consultants over the years has really transformed the institution. I think the 24-hour news cycle has not been helpful. And I also think that uh, there's not a lot of opportunity to get to know people on the other side. Now, Callahan and Rogers and those guys, they were regular dinner companions to me with Joe Moakley. Regular. I mean, once every couple of weeks out to RTs in Virginia. And I think that that's gone. And as we try to sanitize the process in the eyes of some of the reformers, the difficulty has been that you don't get to know anybody. And taking the measure, as Pat and I have the opportunity to do, of serious legislators and the high skill that was once acknowledged for the big deal. You know, I went to that committee when Rostenkowski was the chairman. 
and Ray McGrath and other Republican members of the committee, they were at least interested in a deal. And Rostenkowski's position was very simple. If you bought in, you got what you needed. And that's another skill that the media really is incapable of explaining anymore to people, any and everywhere. So let me kind of give you what I think is, could happen here. I think when you get past November, my own take is that uh, my colleagues on the other side, whether or not uh, President Obama wins, and my impression is at the moment that, that he's in pretty good shape, whether or not he wins, he's still president on December 31st. He's going to have some leverage. And I think at that stage, uh, we might have the opportunity to make an agreement. Now, whether or not it's big or small, who knows? But I think that that gives us an opportunity as we proceed to 2013 to maybe find a path forward. And he's going to be in the mood for legacy. And I think as part of it, that we might be able to find a, a prescription. Now, I come at this very differently than many members of the Congress, largely because I served as mayor of a pretty good-sized city. And you really don't wake up every day when you're the mayor saying this has got to be left or this has got to be right. You, work, you wake up every day facing some sort of challenge or crisis that you generally have to manage immediately. So I think trying to find that path, you know, of growing the economy, and I think it's fair to say I'm a Clintonite, and boy, Republican or Democrat in this room this morning, it is tough to argue with those numbers. <laughs> when you witness 22 million jobs being created and taking some positions that were, you know, unpalatable for a lot of members of our party. But I thought that was the message that people needed to hear. You know, I, I use this example. We had gone through three election cycles as Democrats where I think Jimmy Carter won 10 states against Ronald Reagan the first time, Walter Mondale won one, and then Mike Dukakis won 10. Clinton figured it out. <laughs> you want to win this election? You got to move this thing back between the two 45-yard lines. And that, I think, is the message that we need to hear as a party. Uh, much of the work that we do is pretty technical in nature. We are certainly uh, heavily influenced by staff, and I've had great staff over many years. And I will tell you that I'm in the mood, and I think that the, uh, the members of the committee on our side, they are in the mood for some sort of an accomplishment. And I think revisiting the code, it's, you know, it's very easy in general to talk about it. It's much more difficult in the specifics. So my recommendation to the presidential candidates, who, by the way, have given us a little bit of movement in the last couple of three weeks, both at least acknowledging it. And my sense is it's always back to Romney, so he's still going to be the nominee. And so he has put out a tax plan. The problem is, of course, he had trouble explaining it because of some of the other things that he said off message. And, but the president put out at least a blueprint. So I think there's some room to build upon it. And the last thing that, that I would say is that uh, Pat and I really do represent that inspiration of the immigrants, child. And I think that that's an argument that is very woeful these days. When I hear the way the immigration question is uh, spoken of, you can't go into a kitchen in America without seeing who the next class of Americans are going to be. And they work hard. And, you know, in my own experience, 
six sons that served in the military, went on to build great families, and it all happened in one generation. And I think that people need to hear that argument, and I think the two of us are pretty good examples of what happens with that uh, lineage where there's enormous sacrifice in the first generation and hard work. And I would lament very much the manner in which that discussion is treated today, that it's a criminal element, because it's anything but. And one grandparent never became a citizen, was legalized but never became a citizen. And I think that that's something that bears noting as well. 